0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to I-90 Community Church. If you're watching online, which I think a lot of people are visiting their moms this morning, so maybe you're watching this later in the week or anything, glad to have you tuning in today. Um, yeah, so we are we are going to be back in the book of Acts today, okay? So we're going to be in Acts 20 if you want to find that up. Um, oh, this is not the right sermon. <laughs> that's really wonderful. Oh, boy. That's really great. Hang on. Oh, classic, classic. Did I print the wrong one? Oh, that's it. Thank you. That's the right sermon. The thing is, it looks just like the other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is why I'm so thankful for my wife. Because <laughs> I would just be doing this constantly. She's uh, such a help to me. Thank you, mothers everywhere. Uh, yeah, wow, that's really fun. Okay, I'm just going to put that there. So anyways... Got it together. Acts twenty, not Acts nineteen, is where we're going to be in this morning. Um, you know, generally Mother's Day and Father's Day, we don't like do a whole Mother's Day message. But I'm happy because I do think God sort of had mothers in mind as we we're going through Acts here. I think there's a lot, lot for mothers and 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 those who um, you know are just are just uh, desiring to be nurturers and people who care and care about other people. And I do want to just um, as we just like. In Mother's Day, like I definitely want us to, to minister to moms and and people who are in that role. I also just want to acknowledge that uh, Mother's Day is hard for some people, either because they um, are grieving loss or they they want to be moms but haven't been yet. Um, you know, so so as much as we celebrate, we also acknowledge like that this can be a painful time for people. So you know, we're able to do both those things. That's the thing about about Christians is that we can have so much joy and yet. The, the challenges and pain of life and be comfort in the midst of them. So we're doing both of those things this morning as we are as we're celebrating Mother's Day. Okay, but I just want to read you this passage, the beginning of Acts uh, uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 12, okay, and, and I see some things that I think would be helpful for mothers, okay? So I'm just going just gonna to read through it. After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and he stayed three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, and so he decided to go back to ma- through Macedonia, and he was accompanied by Sopater, son of Therese from Berea, Aristarchus and Segundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby; Timothy and Tychius uh, and Trof- Trophimus, from the province of Asia, and these men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi, and after the festival of unleavened bread, um, in five days we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. And if you can track that, good. God bless you. Uh, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There was many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named eutychus was sitting in, in a sill and sank into a deep sleep and paul kept on talking uh when he was overcome by sleep he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead but when paul went down he bent over him, he embraced him and he said don't be alarmed because he's alive and after going upstairs breaking the bread and eating paul talked a long time until dawn and then he left Um, a lot of things that I think is, is valuable uh, for mothers actually because I see a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of the life of at least like my wife as she's a mother reflected in here, right? In this little passage we see Paul driving the kids everywhere, right? There and back and all over the place. There's so much travel. It's extremely busy. He's got places to be. He's got a whole gaggle of people traveling with him. Other people he barely knows. People from all over the place. He's, he's collecting them. He's, he's chauffeuring them around. Um, He's dealing with plots against him. If you're a mom, you understand that, right? Your children sometimes plot against you. Uh, It happens. And then you've got kids falling out of windows. Again, a common thing all mothers have experienced, children falling out of windows, and you just say, how how did you even do that? Well, I just fell asleep in the windowsill. Was that a good idea? Was that a good place to sleep? So I see, I see a lot going on here. But it, but in this very busy passage, I, I think it's worth noticing, like, there's a lot happening, but it's not a throwaway passage. Because the normal stuff of life, the normal stuff that Paul had to deal with, just traveling around and doing a work of ministry, um, the normal work, uh, it's not insignificant. Because it seems clear to me, in the middle of all this busyness, and busyness can feel numbing, and busyness can feel like, like what is this really, really for— in the middle of all this busyness, Paul is being really intentional. He's trying to uh, make things count in his life, and he's doing that, I think significantly we notice, he's doing that through being an encourager, right? He's going to a place, he's encouraging the people there, he's going to another place, he's, he's encouraging the people there, he's healing this guy and it brings comfort to the people paul in all of his busyness is trying to make it count trying to make it worthwhile trying to understand the significance of the life that he's living and he's trying to do that by by being a presence of encouragement everywhere he goes and i want us to think about that this morning because as much as we want to think of paul as a fiery preacher right we have to recognize if, if we read the text carefully he was just as much an encourager and I don't think we value encouragement much in our culture, right? We don't. We 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 want to do things um, through hard work and through accomplishment. We don't value the, the the quiet work of encouragement. Paul was someone who wanted to bring about comfort. He was trying to nurture the church, and he did that through the work, the, the dedic being dedicated to the work of encouragement. And he he had to be, he had to be. Because what he was called to do, right, to care for the spiritual lives of, of people, people who are growing, people who are coming into maturity, that work can only be done through encouragement. Some things, that's the only tool you have. On Friday, I bought an air conditioner off Facebook Marketplace. I went to Fall City, I picked it up, I put it in my trunk. And uh, I live um, on the fourth floor apartment, with a walk up, to the stairs. So I got that air conditioner, to the bottom of the stairs. (laughs) And I was suddenly very aware that different sorts of tasks require different types of work. And despite my great desire, no amount of encouragement was going to move that air conditioner to to my my apartment, right? There are things that can't uh, be done through encouragement, like moving air conditioners, brute force is what is needed and obviously i have so much of it so so i asked my neighbor to help me no um (laughs) but, uh, but there are there are things that can't be done through encouragement uh but there are jobs which cannot be done except through encouragement and nurturing and caring for people is one of those things if you're a mother you know this you cannot be the best father or mother simply by imposing the right What you have to do is understand that you're dealing with somebody who has agency, and the older they get, the more they are aware (laughs) of all the power that they have, and all you can do is encourage and nurture. You have limited capacity to just fix a problem or or grow a person into maturity. We've got a bunch of seeds here in the lobby as as gifts for moms, and those are for you if you want some seeds. Moms. Moms. Feel free to take them. Anybody who wants to go home and plant those, because now would be an, a good time to plant some flowers, um, go ahead and, and, and take those. Um, but what's, uh, the, thing, the thing about seeds is, like, because the work of mothering, it's a lot like growing seeds. The work of it encouraging and caring for and nurturing, it's a lot like growing seeds. No amount of brute force can make a seed grow. Encouragement requires vision. I don't mean just the, the capacity to see. I really just mean the ability to understand things as they actually are. We tend to think to to reduce the idea of encouragement to like the most basic meaning of what we might, what we might think of that. And usually we think encouragement is just like saying nice things to people. But that's what encouragement involves, right? But I've got to tell you, I am an East Coast snob cynic type person, you know, so I know that that's not true, (laughs) right? Because I know, and, and I think you know, I think everyone knows that nice words alone are not necessarily encouraging. In fact, sometimes just nice words can come off as insincere or manufactured or manipulative. Anyone else experience this? Just me? All right, I'm the cynical one. I get it. Please, if you are setting out to encourage someone, don't simply think of encouragement as just saying nice words. Because I think encouragement requires so much more than that. Uh, The dictionary definition of of encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. So support and confidence or hope are are, are the goals of encouragement. And we certainly use words— To communicate and impart confidence and hope in people, that's necessary, but more important than that, the act of speaking encouragement, it's about communicating the substance of confidence and hope, the reason that someone ought to have confidence and hope words alone. Empty words actually will do nothing to encourage people. Meaningful words, words that are true, words that are right, words that hit the moment right, words that are embedded with a vision of what God says is true and is correct. Those will bring about encouragement. And here we need to understand, particularly as Christians, that we have an entirely unique reason for confidence and hope. Paul wasn't just going around saying, oh you're just doing great. Things are going to be totally fine at it. Just just keep plowing along and it'll be great. He was going around to churches explaining the remarkable reason that they could have confidence. I cannot forgive you Christians for the way in which you have misrepresented the Bible. You have introduced it to us as though it were a book of religion, of which we have plenty in India already. It is not. It is, as I read it, a quite unique interpretation of universal history, and therefore a unique interpretation of the human person as an actor in that history. This is from a non-Christian judging the content of the bibles what, what he understood is that scripture is not a book of life hacks things to make you feel better nice things to believe in, in our private little worlds scripture makes claims makes a claim to be a public truth a story that's true for all people whether they know it to be true or not and a story that is true And ends up giving our lives purpose and meaning and direction and, and encouragement. If we would hear it, it's not a story about how God has come to condemn the world. It's a story about how God has come to save the world. The true story of how God is bringing meaning and life and restoring people to their original purpose And that is such an encouraging thing to realize, to be caught up in that vision of a true story. If we would understand that, I think we would understand our lives better. And as I see it, the greatest source of discouragement in my life, and I would say the greatest source of discouragement in your life, is that you lose sight of the plot. I lose sight of the plot. I lose the narrative thread. I lose the understanding of why my life is meaningful in the middle of busyness stuff that comes along with life I, I become because my circumstances overwhelm me I get fixated on temporary things and I lose sight of the eternal things the true story that Jesus came to proclaim this public truth of the gospel that he has overcome the world and we can put hope and confidence and find that in him I like how you know how I like Dallas Willard right he communicates in, in one little sentence a, a If, if I'm truly going to tell you, like, most of the time in my brain, I'm thinking, ugh. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about the things that are on my plate now. I'm thinking that my purpose is just to do those things. And wha- how discouraging is that? <laughs> how discouraging is it to live with such a small vision for your own life? How long can you do that, honestly? I can't for very long. If I do that for too long, I start to turn to comfort in other things whatever those things might be. Maybe I maybe I drown my uh, sense of emptiness in, in television, right? Not me. Maybe you do that. I don't do that. Yeah, no, I do that. They do that, right? In being entertained, in doing things, right? But when I start to just kind of lift up my own eyes, or I have someone come to me and really, like, encourage me, what they are always doing is they're speaking into my life reveal is that we are loved by God, children of God, through entering in, trusting in Jesus, that we, when we trust in him and follow after him, we're actually caught up into a story that is so much bigger than our smallness of our lives. We have an eternal destiny in God's great universe. We're going to be with him forever. Eternal life isn't just like life that never ends, because at some point you'd probably be like, well, oh, should it go on forever? Because it's like feels like a little exhausting. No, it's life that's eternal and present with God. How beautiful is that? We have a destiny in God's universe. I, If, if you really think about that, that will be startling, but it will also be greatly encouraging. If you want to be a, an encourager, someone who is encouraged and someone who can encourage, then swim in the waters of a bigger story, the story of the Bible, the story that Jesus is revealing. Swim in those waters. Soak yourself in a vision for life. Remind yourself as you read scripture and as you pray of what is true. And like a kid who can't seem to figure out how to use a towel, go around dripping, dripping that vision point. Encouragement requires, demands responsibility. It demands responsibility. Look, it is literally my job to be a pastor, and pastor just means shepherd, somebody who cares, right? Somebody who encourages, someone who nurtures. And I consider it my responsibility to encourage you in your faith. But what I have found is that to do that well is demanding in unexpected ways. Because it's not just about putting in the time, or putting in the prayer, or doing all the, you know, checking in and and talking to people. All that's good, and that's part of caring, right? That's part of even mothering. It's part of nurturing. But I'll tell you this. The thing that's really struck me lately is that for me to encourage others effectively— I need to pay so much attention to how I'm living my life. In order to effectively encourage, I need to take responsibility for my whole self. And for my faith, my confidence, my hope, I need to take responsibility for it. James 3 9 through 12, I was, I was at a conference last week, and, and this pastor shared this one. This one just really got me. I, I've, I've heard this verse a bazillion times, right? But it just really hit me the other day. I'm going to read this, James 3, 9 through 12. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing comes out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt saltwater spring yield fresh water. That's demanding, isn't it? See, if we read scriptures, if we read the scriptures, if we take them seriously, we encounter a real difficulty. And that is this. They are insistent that when it comes to our sin and our divided selves, that these things should not be this way. The challenge that Jesus gives to people and that Paul gives to people and the other New Testament writers is that they insist that the work of Jesus, his salvation, him putting his spirit in us, is so thoroughly able And so thoroughly constitutes a real invitation to a new kind of life where God makes it possible to be filled with his spirit, overflowing with joy. And that we have enough grace in Christ to actually experience renewal down to our depths to the point where what comes out of us. like the hardest thing to believe that god could actually like, i, I want to believe oh yeah jesus will forgive me but i also don't want to believe that he will so thoroughly cleanse me from from the inside out that i will consistently bring forth fresh water from my heart i have trouble believing question that I wrestle with, right, I think it's a question that we all wrestle with, is what is stronger? Is me, me and all my brokenness and all of my sin, is that stronger than the grace and work of Jesus Christ? And oftentimes, I, and perhaps you, in what I have to just call unbelief, (laughs) believe that God's work is really not able to God cannot cleanse but God cannot transform from within I think The hardest thing About being a Christian is understanding That much is Demanded from us like we have to take Responsibility for our our Christian lives not to Hulk the air conditioner Up to the fourth floor I'm gonna be better But to continue To pursue God Let him do a work that really changes me. And we need to take responsibility in that respect. Yes, for our actions, the extent to which we can, but also for our doubts. And for the things where we just tell God, no, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you're going to do that. And, you know, my, my experience of this, particularly with with my tongue, is that I'm, again, I'm a cynical East Coast guy. And the thing about snobs, like myself, um, is that we're always like, oh, you people over here living your lives, and we just stand over here and we just judge, we just judge, right, just judging everyone all the time, you know. I think more people are cynical than I think they are, but I just lean into it. <laughs> Call it what it is, and then I can repent of it. So, like, I always, like, I always feel like in my life, I'm standing outside of myself, like, judging myself, right? And I'm just seeing myself do bad things, and then I'm just calling that, oh, that's good, that's bad. You know, I'm, I'm assessing. I'm, I'm, like, separate from things. But that, that allows me a certain degree of separation from my own self. I, in the end, and I, I don't think I'm really making this clear, but in the end, faith simply just comes down to saying, all right, I'm going to live this life. I'm just going to live this life. I'm going to take responsibility for the person I'm becoming. And so while I might not be able to control everything that's in my heart, I really have to step into this vision for life that God has promised. I'm going to step into his promises. I'm going to say he really can cleanse me from the inside out. And so I'm going to do everything I can, which is not entirely in my control, but I'm going to do everything I can to simply say no to the unbelief, right? The cynicism that steps away from my own life and just says, eh, I'm not really gonna enter into it. No, I'm gonna enter into everything that I can with, with fullness of belief and just say, Lord God, I really, really want to have confidence in you, but I need you to show me, I need you to show me the way forward. <laughs> you you I think the way that we don't and blessing to come out of the same mouth but actually he, he wants me to be dedicated to and confident in and hopeful in his ability to totally transform me myself from from the from the inside out and so uh, encouragement is going to demand some responsibility taking for that the responsibility of faith responsibility of faith you can't be a cynic and follow jesus i just don't think I tried for a really long time, right? And I'm trying to get over my own cynicism. I'm trying to get over my own cynicism. It's 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 I think going to be the work of another five years or so. But I think when I'm free of that, I'm I'm confident. I mean, I'm already I'm already seeing that like that there's going to be good things coming because you know what? I was not I was not saved to do this divided self. Promises. Continue on in them. Take some responsibility for seeking him out for all the grace you need. And finally, encouragement comes from being encouraged. And that should be pretty obvious to us. Um, but it is very hard to constantly just... Give and give and give, and a lot of you moms know about this, it is very difficult to give and give and give and never be encouraged yourself, never receive, never, um, you know, experience peace and joy. But the thing about the Christian faith, right, is that encouragement is baked into the story. It's fundamentally an encouraging story that Jesus saves and doesn't destroy. Christians are not called to be, uh, you know, hard-faced, self-sufficient, masters of the universe who are just going to power through all things. We are actually people called to be intentionally dependent upon God. That's our strength. It's continuing to lean into our dependence. Jesus was all about this. My favorite, probably my favorite passages of Scripture are John 15 and 16 when Jesus is just talking to to his disciples as he's about to to leave and he says this in John 15 9 he says as the father has loved me I've also loved you remain in my love and if you keep my commandments you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and remain in his love I've told you these things so that uh, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete (laughs) this is what this is what the word of God trusting in it actually does Leads us to a place according to God's promises of joy complete And you need that you, Like don't act like you are strong enough to get through your whole life without any joy and encouragement You aren't you aren't If you want to be encourager in, in Encourager you need to be encouraged you need to seek the Lord for his joy the completion of his joy We are Christians are called to joy. Don't ever let anyone tell you anything otherwise. It's not true. We are called to joy. We are called to be overflowing with praise for God. And it doesn't come through hype, right? Through psyching yourself up all the time. The joy comes from knowing the promises of God, putting them into action and experiencing that they're true, that he's faithful to all the things that he said. Leslie Newbigin's Indian friend right he was irritated by the Bible because it was a unique interpretation of human history uh, of the human person as an actor in that history if the Bible is true it, it means that we can be encouraged because we are strong when we are living a life with God a life of dependence upon Him. our call as is to be engaging with God. That's a really unique take that only Christians believe. Only Christians believe that your life is in Christ and that you can know God and walk with him. Many religions claim to tell you how to live for God, to do things for God. But only the gospel promises a life lived with God, a life of fellowship and joy. Discipleship, where we're experiencing God and hearing from Him, and we can know that that interactive life with God through the Spirit. Jo- Jesus goes on later on in, in the, that sermon, John sixteen seven through fifteen. He says this: Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because I don't. Uh, because if I don't go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. If I go. I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they don't believe in me. The problem with sin is unbelief. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear to hear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. Oh, no, I cut it off there on this here. The vision of the Christian life, according to Jesus, is not go and work hard and do all the stuff it's you're so fortunate <laughs> you're so fortunate that I'm going to go away I know you might think it would be nice if I could just stay here forever but I'm going to go I'm gonna, I've am going to. i done my part I've washed you clean I've invited you into this story I've, I've called you children of God and then I'm going to go and it's for your good that I go because I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit and he's going to tell you things about me he's going to build you up you're going to have this interactive life with him where you're hearing from him he's reminding you of what is true he's going to be glorifying me he's going to be declaring to you all the things that I've said and that I want to tell to you your life, the the, the vision of a Christian life is not, oh, you know you, you studied your test and now you're a certified Christian okay, go off and we'll see you when you die in heaven. That'll be great. No, it is go off, be sent out. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's encouraging. He's comforting. He's revealing to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so if you lack truth, you lack encouragement, you lack vision for your life, you lack the faith that you need, you have a present help. The Holy Spirit within you. And for me, my issue isn't that he's not faithful It's that I neglect his comfort I neglect God And so I get discouraged So the worship team is going to come up here And we're just going to take a moment We're just going to take a moment We're going to pray together We're just going to ask the God of all comfort The, the God of truth We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just just come among us And just, just encourage us here for a moment And then we're going to worship together Because he's faithful and good, and he actually cares about us. It's shocking. All right, so let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for going away that we might receive the Spirit. Sending yourself among us. The God who doesn't just abandon us.